whoever resolves Brennan six in the check pile and lands matchup is probably going to win it. And a good way to hedge your bets as the lands player is to just play it on turn one and have your check pile opponent not have force of will. Uh, go figure. <laughs> that was yeah. me. That was weird how that happens, uh, but it, it, it went well. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Renin 6, today we're going to be talking about Legacy. We've talked enough about Hogak and Modern, so we're going to take a week off and discuss an upcoming GP that I'm going to be attending and a couple MCQs that Gilbert said he might be attending. So that being said, welcome to Eternal Implications Podcast. We are the podcast that doesn't put our sideboard guides behind a paywall <laughs> because we don't give They're out sideboard guides. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably for the best. I'm Travis, your host. Freddie was unable to make it tonight. He had a couple things going. Uh, I'm joined by the Ren and Six master himself, Joshua Gilbert. How's it going? Hey, not too bad. Um, getting over some funk. I've left work a little bit early today and just tried to laze around a little bit before recording tonight, and it's gone a long way. Got some food in my stomach, feeling a lot better. How about yourself, man? The weirdest dinner. I had uh, a chicken breast, a tomato, a slice of pizza, and... A maple bar. <laughs> that is a really weird dinner. I thought mine was weird. Holy crap. Yeah, we went to, uh, where did we go? Safeway. Uh, well, Albertsons, kind of the same thing. And random things that look good as we were walking around. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, no, my wife made uh, grilled cheeseburgers. So it's basically grilled cheeses for the buns with some Swiss cheese. And it was really good. <laughs> so wait, there were no buns? Are you doing like a... No, no, no. There are... No, there are buns. The buns were grilled cheeses. Okay, let me clarify. There was no bread on your cheeseburger? Oh, there was bread. So you make two grilled cheeses, like two grilled cheese sandwiches, right? And then you put a cheeseburger between it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. It's incredibly satisfying. <laughs> so, I, had, uh, I had one of those and was it was yeah it was very satisfying it's very tasty <laughs> you had to guess how many calories that is uh i know exactly how many calories it was do not i do yeah i'm tracking all this crap on my fancy new apple watch <laughs> so Ooh, okay <laughs> it's about 850 really cool. calories in that sandwich <laughs> whole wheat bread helps <laughs> all right let's shift gears a little bit and get back on to topic Today we're going to be sharing a bit of our history and present takes on the legacy format aforementioned. Uh, we've been focused on modern for the first dozen or so episodes, but our name indicates we talk about all eternal formats. So this will be our first one on legacy, and we'll spend a cast or two talking about it. Like I said, I have an upcoming GP, and then Gilbert has a couple MCQs. So. Starting with you, Gilbert, let's talk about your history with Legacy, because I believe it's fairly vast. What is. is your history with Legacy? Yeah, it goes back pretty far, just like you said. Um, I got into Legacy initially um, when the Survival of the Fittest decks were kind of running amok. Um, I think that was early 2011. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was right before my wife and I got together, so it was early 2011. And uh, I had a friend who's like, hey... Um, you know, you're uh you're playing Wild McCoddle and Standard. There's a legacy deck that plays Wild McCoddle. And I'm like, what? And he's like, Yeah, check this out. Uh so he loaned me his legacy zoo deck and uh we went to uh I believe it was just a, a random like 1K um in Columbus, Ohio, and I had a really good time with it. Ended up uh building fish and um stone blade once it rolled around, had a really good time with it. Uh, but over the years, I've had some really good finishes in Legacy. Um, I owe most of my high-level finishes to that format. Um, I had top 32, or yeah, top 32 um, SCG Columbus in 2011 um, with Stoneblade. You and I have talked about that before. That was a really good, really, really fun event. Um, and then I've a smattering of top eights and wins at like 1Ks and stuff. Uh, the most recent one being... Just about two years ago now, I top aided a, a 1K up at a uh, 150% 1K up in Portland at the now defunct Time Vault Games with uh, Deathblade. 
and I do owe most of my high-level finishes to Blade decks. Uh, <laughs> but all in all, uh, yeah, uh, that the formats made me a lot of money over the years. Format has made you a lot of money. Do you think you've <laughs> made or lost money playing Magic the Gathering? Um, if you would have asked me before my collection was stolen, um, it would have been made. Um, I've definitely lost money now, uh, but if I would have, especially if I would have liquidated at the prices I had bought into a lot of my cards, uh, it would have been an absurd amount of profit. Definitely now, I've I've lost money. <laughs> Yeah, okay, that makes sense, and I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> uh, it, it's good, bud. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so, uh, yeah, for me, uh, much, like, quite a few, quite, a, wait, how do you want to say this? There are fewer results. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started 2016 just doing a bunch of, like, proxy tournaments in town and slowly pieced together... Uh, ad nauseum tendrils which is probably the most complicated deck to play and i didn't know what i was doing but i had a lot of fun i i got a couple turn one kills which was like all i really cared about at the time uh i did not win very many tournaments in fact i went to only one tournament with it and i think i went like two two and one it was really ugly but then since I had like the land base that was basically all colors minus white, uh, I was watching this Mox Boarding House Legacy event on Twitch and Randy Bueller was randomly there. And he was kind of my idol at the time because he was running the VSL. So I was like, oh my gosh, I got to watch Randy. And he was playing Check Pile and that was my first exposure to it. And it's just like a bunch of good cards and then uh, this ridiculous land base with no basics he was playing no basics i was like oh my gosh no basics in a magic the gathering deck that's so cool <laughs> so the first time i saw that and then i put put together check pile and grinded that out at our uh lgs i think i got first or second like 20 weeks in a row or something crazy like that and then uh tested pretty significantly with you trying to decide between check pile and Grixis Delver, because it's pretty easy to switch between those two decks back when uh, it was all legal. Uh, and decided to play check pile at uh, GP Seattle. I went 8 0 day one. I shared this, I think, in like episode three or something. And then bombed out pretty hard day two, went two and five. Uh, but I got my picture put up on Wizards, and that's all I really cared about at that time. <laughs> yeah, so Legacy, uh, not exactly my forte, but now that I own all the cards and I had that one result where I was like day twoed and got my picture up, I'm like really into it. So I haven't sold off any of those cards. I still have them all, and I'm really excited to pile them up to play GP Atlanta next month. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little jealous that I won't be able to make it out to that. Um... I, this weekend, kind of reignited uh, my interest in the format. I definitely still prefer Modern, uh, but there are a lot of things I missed about Legacy. You or, uh, you can't make Merit Legion Modern, and I forgot how satisfying it was to lock my opponent out of the game and then attack him with a 20-20. So, it's, yeah. uh, it, it was nice to get that fix again. I did really poorly, though, but it, it was nice, especially in testing. I miss playing, like, the Checkpile lands matchup with you like we played that matchup probably a hundred times all together like between tournaments and then all the testing we did before seattle like that that is such a fun matchup <laughs> yeah it's uh very grindy it's very card dependent like it all centers on whether i draw surgical extraction or back then death right shaman mm -hmm. but i think it kind of is your favor nowadays because I, I do as well Ren and Six doesn't deal with the graveyard the way Deathrite did. Um, even though you can recur Wastelands, I don't think that's necessarily good enough in every scenario. Yeah, but. no, agreed. Uh, it's pretty solid in some of the new sideboard cards. Uh, Chandra, uh, every time I resolve that card, other than when you ulted Ren and Six the turn before I played it, uh, has just <clears throat> been... Yeah, that was absurd. Uh, <laughs> like, every other game that I've resolved that card, it's, I've, I've won. 
Um, so it's really, really fun. Um, so it looks like there was a legacy MCQ at 210 players. So this was this Saturday. I was going to play it, but I had just got back from vacation the previous day. We did this like eight hour drive with a one year old and it was so exhausting. So I was not going to wake up and jam, uh, an MCQ and leave my wife hanging, but that is a hundred percent true. We had a 210 person MCQ in legacy this last Saturday. Uh, we're going to break down the stats of every deck that went X two or better and kind of talk about the format as a whole based off of this. And maybe we'll hit on a couple other things. Like there was the legacy challenge the next day. And, uh, uh, there was, uh, uh this like 95 person tournament that just took place, um, in the Midwest that we might talk about as well. So let's talk about this MCQ. It was uh, eight rounds of Swiss. So X2 or better uh, got you into the top 27. To top eight, you had to go X1 or better. And we had exactly eight players do that. It was a pretty clean cut. Uh, the top eight is pretty diverse, including the, the whole top 32. And it's very interesting to break down some of these new cards from Modern Horizons, how they're popping up. But let's talk start with the winner we had blue white stone blade uh pretty odd that this is one of only two decks in the top eight playing the card force of will it's kind of ridiculous what are your thoughts on blue right now in this meta um i think blue is is still good um you'd be hard pressed to make blue not good in legacy um but i think uh I think between like the red prison decks um, and the uh, why can't I word uh, this the uh, like the stone blade decks are tend to be very good against the other blue decks. If you're pushed out by Stompy, you're not going to have an abundance of blue decks for things like stone blade to prey upon, uh, and I think that's telling of why we we got one copy of it. Depths also tends to be fairly solid against blue decks. It's really hard to interact with two lands with your force of will. Um, but yeah, I, the top eight is super, super interesting. Um, e even if it does, you know, lack blue. Uh, it's, it is it is weird to see. Uh, I'm not sure if it's indicative of the format or not. <laughs> so first place, we had blue, white, stone blade. Then second and third, we had mono red stompy including Rich Shea himself taking second place. It's kind of my favorite streamer. I just got signed ATOGs from him, so I was pretty happy about that. Pretty jealous. I'd play those in Popper. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if Seattle, or excuse me, if uh, Portland was Popper, I probably would have. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> place we had Black Red Reanimator, which also had a couple more uh, copies in the top 27. Uh, Another mono red stompy, so we had three of those in the top eight. Then some odd ones, humans and four color snow, which I'm just in love with this deck. Uh, I'll talk about it in a bit. And then eighth place, sneaking in, which is will uh, the aforementioned dark depths, not lands specifically, but like a dark depths uh, combo deck with elvish rejuvenator or elvish reclaimer. Reclaimer, yeah, Thank rejuvenator you. is a different card. Uh, yeah, it, it's the slow depth stack, but yeah, it's pretty interesting to see as well. So let's talk about some of these decks. Uh, I would like to start with the snow deck just because I brewed a deck for fun, just four color snow. And the only reason to play snow was, uh, the ice fang Kotal. but then this deck, like the next day or not the next day, but a couple days later pops up as top eighting i'm just like so jealous uh so it's playing arkham's astrolabe and ice fang Kotal, and i'm pretty sure those are the only reasons to play snow in the deck now i had like a little bit of like intuition as i was reading this deck list and then also daryl Ayers also played a very similar idea but without the ice fang and i just thought if there's no snow payoff why are you going through the hoops of playing these basic snowlands. And I think the answer is you're Renin sixing uh 
uh, you're anticipating your opponent ren and sixing you recurring wastelands and so if you play basics you just get around that altogether what do you think about just playing snow for the sake of playing snowlands um i'm kind of doing that in modern right now to an extent but for the opposite payoff like i'm paying them just for the quaddle uh but the astrolabe um there's versions of blue white and modern that do something similar so it works kind of off the same principle right you're able to play all these basics that are going to get you around wasteland how many decks are playing you know ghost quarter you have lands and the occasional <clears throat> the occasional control list playing it uh but for the most part you're you're safe um so astrolabe is basically um just a cantrip like it's obviously just a cantrip too but being able to cantrip and fix your mana and protect you i think is enough of a payoff to, to build your deck around it i do personally prefer playing quaddle um you know not getting death touch until uh until your third other snow permanent's pretty annoying but turn one astrolabe turn two quaddle is, is death touch and you've drawn two cards. Both cards have replaced themselves. So I do, I do prefer the version with Coatl, but I understand <coughs> cutting the Astrolabes or uh, cutting the Coatls just for Astrolabes. It's uh, very interesting to see. Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a solid deck building choice and very well thought out. Okay, so would you choose to play Baleful Strix or Ice Fang Coatl if you're four colors, and basically you can fetch either color at any point um quaddle just being able to operate at instant speed if i want to <clears throat> this deck plays abrupt decay uh and it uh magmatic sinkhole which is a card when um spoilers are out i was very high on and i predicted it would see play in legacy and modern and it is uh, i still have a foil copy of mine i forgot about i that. do and you have two of my tarmogoyfs which are also in this list we need to settle that. We need to settle that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I believe uh, I, I believe this deck feels more black green uh, uh, or more sultai than it does because it's like playing the black. three because it's playing the three abrupt decay and the Tarmogoyf. and the Tarmogoyf, yeah, and the Leovolds. So I think yeah, blue, and I think, and Renin Six, you're right. Mm -hmm. I feel fetching blue green in this deck if you don't have the Astrolabe, it's less dangerous than what it would be. Uh, in a deck with Baleful Strix, um, because you might need blue-green um, so uh, to to go brainstorm into your Tarmogwife, right? So I I, I like Coatl in a deck like this because of that. Um, and like I said, operating at instant speed is a real upside, especially if you can bait your opponent into thinking you have like an Assassin's Trophy or um, or a push or something for their Delver, and they they're holding up sp uh, Spell Pierce, and you're just like. Here's my Ice Fang Quaddle, your Delver's dead. Um, and you're still a card oh, up for yes, that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I can be convincing. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're not down a card. Your opponents expended their Delver and their turn setting it up. You have information from the card they've revealed. Um, and you're, you're a card parity while they're down. So for me, it, it's, it's just so much card advantage. Uh, <laughs> but the uh the the interesting thing about this deck for me is the main deck plague engineer um i i love seeing that card uh it's super exciting but yeah this is super common nowadays i know i i love it <laughs> just because it, it straight up is so good against true name nemesis so good against young pyromancer like uh just randomly hit snapcaster mage if you name wizard it's like wow this card is uh pretty powerful yeah, and being one-sided is oh, excuse me, <clears throat> being one-sided is actually huge because you're you're playing snapcasters of your own. So sometimes true names. Yes. Yeah, so, oh man, I'm having a coughing fit. I apologize. Can you can you stop dying? That'd be great. <clears throat> I took a drink and it went down like my windpipe. <laughs> it's not a pleasant feeling. Uh, but yeah, uh, like hitting. Uh, true names hitting opposing snapcasters because snapcasters do a lot of blocking duty like they're really good at that uh nice to point out too this deck is also playing narset uh it's good to see her back in action in legacy again she kind of vanished there for a minute narset and leovold both do so good like so much work against ponder preordain brainstorm uh jace the mind sculptor that they're just like ubiquitous to not play 
a Leovold or uh, Narset, if you have the mana to play it, I think is incorrect. I think that's something you need to be doing. But maybe not, considering when we look at the rest of this top 8 and top 32, blue is just disappearing slowly. Uh, there's one more deck I wanted to talk about, and this is going to be my lead-in for the next segment because it's my pick for the best deck. Uh, if I had like unlimited access to cards, this is the deck I would play, and that is what got 8th place, and that's Dark Depths. So I want to talk about how good this deck is against blue decks specifically because what used to be the answer for blue decks was you fetch up some sort of like vapor snag uh or i mean you don't fetch it up you play some sort of vapor snag card uh or uh like target player sacrifices a creature the liliana's something i don't even remember what it's called Triumph. thank Liliana's you yeah. i just want to call it i just want to call it diabolic edict you just you edict them yes. uh liliana's edict that's what i'm going to call it from now on that's what it should have been called <laughs> that would have been fantastic but this deck has so many little ways to get around that. It's really fantastic. Uh, this deck isn't playing the the one that I'm like really on, and that's being able to fetch up a Dryad Arbor. I've seen a lot of lists that are doing that. Yep. Uh, but this deck is... Uh, oh man, this one isn't doing it either. There's the, the green land in Modern. It gets played in, uh, what's it called? Um, Amulet Titan. Where when it enters, you get a zero one. Yep, yep. I used to play that in uh, in depths. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's so good because it stops all their edict effects. So if you play Lily mm -hmm. or you play uh, Diabolic Edict or uh, yeah, any of them, it just stops all of it. And I found it so hard to interact. In fact, I haven't beaten this deck with a blue deck yet because yeah, you 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 lost to it Sunday as well, right? Yesterday, right? I lost to it in paper. I lost to it online, I think, three times now. And this deck is just so good against blue decks, uh, which is probably why it lost in the semis. But uh, the reason being Elvish Reclaimer. I want to talk about this card. It's a one-drop green elf warrior. Uh, it gets plus two, plus two, as long as there are three or more land cards in your graveyard. It's a one-two, so it would be a three-four. Gets out of bolt range. But the pertinent text is two, tap, sacrifice a land, Search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle your library. So you have crop rotation on a stick. And, you know, searching up Thespian Stage, searching up Dark Depths, or what this deck does is really cool. Search up Sejiri Step. Mm -hmm. So they try to, oh, I'm going to block with my Baleful Strix. Ah, you can reconsider that one. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Reclaimer is uh, pretty comparable to a one-drop Knight of the Reliquary. Like, he he does double duty of the beats, and, you know, he's a tutor as well. I, I'm with you. I prefer the version with Dryad Arbor or Colony Garden. I think just Dryad Arbor, because Fetchland gets it. Uh, but this is the, this is a pretty atypical list anyways, I feel like, because it's, it's not playing Hogak. And I find the Hogak lists to be little more resilient really, i think it's a little worse so why do you think the hogak version is a little better um <clears throat> because honestly being able for me the biggest issue i've had with depth so um disclaimer uh i played a boatload of this deck uh and against it a bunch as well before reclaimer um we had it built for quite a while um i felt like a lot of the times i would lose would be due to um just baleful strict nonsense of them blocking and me and, and me not being able to get it through damage um or just running out you know getting my my uh my depth surgical what be it reclaimer definitely helps with something like that uh but at the same time um uh, i i like having a a real clock and an 8-8 trample for basically free is pretty insane so even if you can't turn to a 2020 you can often still just turn to an 8-8 Trampler. Um, so I think it's close, but I do prefer the Hogak version. Yeah, part of my reasoning for why I think this version is better is you're already siding in Surgical Extractions. Mm. And so that's pretty good when you're like casting... Man, I'm so bad with the names of these little green creatures. 
the one from Cedar Born of the God. Yeah, so you cast Cedar, Cedar Wayfinder, find your land or whatever, and then you have one more creature to cast your Hogak, but that's by and large the way you're going to get it into play. Uh, if you're casting it from yeah. hand, it's also counterable, and so Surgical just does double duty if uh, you're playing both of them. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I can I can see it that way as well. Um, I do like that this is still playing Safekeeper. I know a lot of people are, are trimming that card now, and I think that's wrong. Um, so it's good to see that, that in this list. But uh, there's definitely yeah. changes I would make to this list. So the following day, uh, that would have been Sunday, we had the Legacy Challenge. And the winner of that was this deck. And they were only on one Safekeeper, if I remember right. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Like... I think having some number of them is, is just an absolute must um, because you're not always going to, you know, be able to get your Sejiri step or whatever, you know, um, and that Sejiri step only works once. So I like having two. I think two is probably the right number. They're def this the deck is very flexible. Um, they used to play Dark Confidant instead of Elvish Reclaimer. Um, so there's 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 a lot of flex slots and there's a lot that can be done. You can play a Snow Package kind of too with like Into the North. Which also finds dark depths, or it finds you know your forest, whatever you need. That's so pretty cool. Dark uh, depths is a snowland. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Talk about into the north more. I have like fifty copies at home. Yeah, I play. I played <laughs> it in uh, in my uh, my old depths list. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I look for that card to pop up again soon. <clears throat> so uh, and then one thing I wanted to point out before we moved on to you mentioned the humans deck earlier. This is, a deck I, this is a deck I think we need to keep an eye on. Um, really? I, yeah, I, I've seen Minguchi stream with this a lot, um, and it's it's absurdly powerful. Like, I was really, really skeptical, because Andrea plays some goofy stuff. Um, like, he's he's obviously very, very talented Magic player. Uh, There's Legacy Videos. Legacy Video? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, Imperial Recruiter is insane. Uh, you know, obviously you have Mother of Runes, uh, like, yeah, you have Sanctum Prelate. Oh my gosh, like, there, there's just so much going on. Um, but watching him stream with this, like, this is something to keep an eye on, especially if you're going to larger tournaments, because this deck is incredibly cheap for a Legacy deck, for one, uh, which is which is going to make it a little more popular. This is going to have an appeal to the yeah. people doing modern who are looking to go to Legacy events. This is a deck people need to know about, uh, or you're just going to get blown out about it. <laughs> like do you think the presence of plague engineer makes this deck just like way worse um i think it definitely hurts it a little bit uh but you know there there's definitely one toughness stuff in here like thalia and stuff but like you, like your freebooters live uh which takes away their cards um your your meddling mages live so i i think a lot of the time you're gonna meddling mage on um on plague engineer um and then yeah just just things like that. Palace Jailer also lives through it, so you can Palace Jailer their uh, uh, their Plague Engineer, which you don't have access to Palace Jailer in Modern. So I I think there's I think there's something going on here. Um, you know, obviously they're not playing Mantis Rider because can't really play too many three drops in a deck like this in Legacy. I mean, they have four drop with with Jailer, but you know it's a singleton. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's Jailer's just for sneak and show. Yeah, exactly um it's just, <laughs> it, no it really is like i and probably well, they have Re reflector mage too yeah reflector mage and you know it probably hits uh probably hits uh good old plague engineer a fair number of times so i think this is a deck to look out for and i do think we're gonna see it a bit more um i also hope it makes a resurgence in vintage but that's a different conversation for a different time uh but yeah i do think uh people need to be aware of this especially if uh, they're going to any larger legacy tournaments here soon. Also, Tomic in the sideboard to shut off uh, Ren and Six is pretty crazy. I even know what this card does. Tomic Distinguished Abacus. Oh my gosh, I forgot this was even a card. Yeah. I, th I thought, okay, so it's White White, Legendary Creature, Human Advisor, Flying 2-3, lands on the battlefield, and land cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. So the plus one gets shut off. And then yep. your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So, yeah, I guess there's that nothing. Really, that really comes up. 
uh, Maverick plays Romninop Excavator once in a while, but that card's terrible. Uh, I, I just sold all mine. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> but uh, well, Renan yeah. Six is pushing everything out of the format, so. <laughs> but uh, Tomic, uh, Tomic is is an interesting card. He does die to Bolt, uh, but you're playing Mother of Roots, so nothing dies to Bolt. <laughs> Almost every every card in this deck dies to Bolt. It seems. Yeah, uh, for sure. I do want to mention like M Mother of Runes. I, I if it were me, <clears throat> I would be playing Giver of Runes. Uh, be, the reason being Mother of Runes dies to Dread of Night, which if I have Dread of Night, I'm bringing it in against this deck. It's just oh for sure. Yeah, to get around Thalia is just huge. But uh, also so, the Plague Engineer. So Dread of Night, it's the enchantment, right? Yeah, it's a world enchantment or yeah it just sits out there a black white creatures get minus one minus one okay that's what i thought yeah and that's pretty yeah. common from like grixis control or uh i've even played it in check pile so yeah yeah but uh with uh with death and taxes kind of getting pushed out of the format right now by like the reno six and coligan's command decks i do expect to see this more as the uh the thalia mother of runes deck um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this have some more results going forward. Okay, cool, cool. Let's move on to our next segment. We're still discussing Legacy. I want to kind of hit on a couple of these decks. Uh, there's just so much diversity in this top 27. It's crazy. So we have uh, blue-white taxes. We had, yeah, uh, a dredge deck made it into the top 16. We had your Hogak Depths even make it in there. Slivers was in there. <laughs> uh, Bomberman, which was on camera for one of the SCG events a few weeks ago, and it's kind of having a resurgence. That deck's getting slept on. Like it, it can <laughs> it can power out Lattice faster than any other deck. But yeah. <laughs> and then we had a couple Storm decks, uh, and then a random Bug Depths deck. And I think like the expectation for Legacy right now is that. You have all the four-color good stuff decks, and then you have all the combo decks, and then there's like, you know, Chalice of the Void decks. And to some extent, that's true. But when you look at this list, like even Slivers is in there, there's just so many different kinds of decks in this top 27. I think at the end of the day, the best decks are just the ones that people have spent the most time working on and metagamed well enough. So like anybody yeah. could like master a deck in Legacy, and at any given point right now, that would be the best deck. We don't have a Grixis Delver, for example, where it's just like, oh yeah, this one's going to be twenty percent of the meta, and you should build around it and uh, anticipate Fatal Push being the best card in Legacy for a while. We just don't have that kind of a meta. Which is which is nice, right? Like I I, I think it's nice. Um, like it's it's cool that. Uh, we were kind of talking about it a little bit earlier. You can basically basically play whatever the hell you want in Legacy right now. Um, there's there's an archetype for everybody that's very good right now. I think the tier one kind of blanket is larger than it's been in probably seven or eight years in Legacy, which is really exciting to see. Um, I still think the the best deck, and not by a lot, I think it's by very little. I think the best deck is probably still like Threshold, like Canadian Thresh. Which it's weird to call it that. I guess Tiber Delver is probably the proper thing to call it, uh, but I still think it's the best deck right now. Uh, but really? not by much. Yeah, I think Depths is a close second, and then Mono Red and uh, like Blue Red Delver, and even Ad Nauseum mm -hmm. is having a resurgence, uh, which is weird to see. You know, post Probe being gone, it's been so long since we've seen a big boom of Ad Nauseum tendrils, and it's kind of just popped back up too. So. Yeah, I think uh, I think Delver punishes a lot of what these decks are doing. Um, in between Ren and Six and Stifle, you really get to take advantage of the fields. And I I kind of think it's the best deck right now. Wow, interesting. Uh, I'd say interesting just because this current uh, deck we're looking at, there's zero copies in the top twenty-seven. Yeah, I, I know that's what threw me off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's and I I think. Uh, I think that's another symptom of just how diverse it is. Because I, I don't think, you know, humans is is one of the best decks in Legacy. 
Um, and I, I don't think like, uh, is it, uh, slivers or anything like that or Bomberman. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's up there if not the best. Okay. My prediction is that depths, uh, specifically the version that's not playing Hogak is the best thing you can be doing. Just green, black depths. And, uh, it's really fast. It's hard to interact with for the blue decks. Force of Will isn't necessarily good against it. And uh, the fact that it gets to play things like Inquisition, Duress, or Thoughtseize, or some combination of those three, makes it so powerful. It can play around so much. Uh, probably my pick for the best deck. So moving on to our next question. We had a long discussion in our group chat today about the health of Legacy. And the question for you, Gilbert, I don't think I got to hear your take exactly. Is the format healthy after Modern Horizons? Um, it's hard. Uh, I think I think mostly. I think there's some egregious offenders. Um, I think some of them have been around for a while. Um, but uh, I'm I'm not certain Renin Six is an okay thing to be happening in Legacy. Um, after playing it uh, playing it yesterday. And just the the stuff I've seen, I'm not certain that Renin Six is, is healthy for the format. Um, but I also feel that way um, about Karn and a few other cards. Um, so I, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's fairly healthy, and it's probably healthier than it's been in a long time. Uh, I think the accusation that uh, it it died with Deathrite Shaman or it died with Top. I think uh, the rumors of its demise were uh, greatly exaggerated. Um, and I think we're seeing one of the biggest resurgences uh, that the format's seen in a very long time. And I think it's definitely better than it was um, during the Deathrite Shaman era, which is really exciting for me. Because I take that back. That oh, I hated that card. I love that card. <laughs> I still I have my place. Uh, I hated that card. Um, if I ever um, run into Steve Argyle, I'm still going to have him sign them. Didn't I trade you some signed ones ages ago? Uh, I only have two though, so I need to get the other two signed. Oh, gotcha. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I hate Deathrite Shaman. I'm I'm on the list of people who want it restricted in vintage even. Um, but yeah, I moving I, on. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> uh, do you think Legacy is the highest skill testing format that is constructed specifically? Uh, no. Um, I don't think any constructed format is more skill testing than any of the others um, because they each have their own um, their own quirks uh, that you have to address. I think the biggest skill test in Legacy um, is interacting with the board and interacting with your opponent's uh, your opponent's turn more or less and, and reacting to their card advantage. Um, if you think Depths is the best deck in the format, I would argue that makes it the least skill testing format because I don't Depths, know. Is, Depths is incredibly easy to play. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah. uh, it man, uh, it, it's it's flowchart easy. Uh, but it's, I don't know. I had an easy time with it. I don't know. Uh, I guess I think Boggles is really hard. So uh, I, I I think that's one of those decks. So yeah, you know, with modern. Uh, modern really rewards being able to sideboard uh, and sideboarding well and mulligan decisions and standard benefits mulligan decisions and sideboarding as well. I think it has its own skill testing that way. Um, so I, th I think all of the formats um, are, yeah, are, are skill testing in their own way. Uh, I, I think the more you're able to get past the variance in your games and mitigate them, then skill becomes more apparent. Uh, but I don't think that makes it more skill testing. So I think skill shows out more in Legacy, but I don't think that makes it more skill testing, if that makes sense. Okay, uh, similar question. How important is deck building and metagaming, like specific card choices? Uh, I think very. Um, I think if you're expecting, uh, you know, a lot of reanimator, a lot of depths, um, obviously you need to stock up on your graveyard hate. Um, or if you're expecting death and taxes because, you know, 30 weirdos decide that they're going to sleeve up their ether vials and their thalias and put it in with a bunch of other white weenies. I think you need to stock up on your dread of knights and your Coligan's commands. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, there's there's definitely things that will get you if you aren't sideboarded properly. Um, I experienced it yesterday. I was very light on graveyard hate, and I I lost because of it. Um, and uh, I think being cognizant of, of the meta you're going into in Legacy is probably more important now than it's ever been. Um, I think playing a stock sideboard, so to speak, is is harder than it's ever been. I think you're right. Uh, I just wanted to mention one thing. I was watching Jarvis U stream lands mm-hmm. a couple of months ago, and he took out Sphere of Resistance completely. I noticed you were still playing it. Yeah, so. um, I probably won't be uh, in the future. Um, I, I yeah. watched him doing that as well. Um, right now, he's playing a couple of Reclaimers in the main deck, which is insane to me. Um, lands? Yeah, I'm all about that card. I'm, I'm about to buy 100 of them. <laughs> I'm, yeah not kidding uh, that card's super cheap for what it's doing right now yeah justin and i were were talking about it during spoiler season everybody's like this card's terrible this card's terrible i'm like you're out of your damn minds this is a one drop knight of the reliquary that's insane uh so i i'm with you i think the card's great it's just weird to me seeing a creature in the main deck of lands that isn't you know nether spirit in the black versions so i uh yeah i'll be cutting sphere of resistance i i don't like it very much I'm going to message Freddie. We're going to organize a buyout. Moving on to the next question. No, and I think you're right. I think uh, in uh, Legacy especially, uh, card choices, as far as like your 75th card, that's where you win a significant amount of games uh, as opposed to something like Modern where it's just a matter of did I draw my ley line? Uh, At least lately it's been that way. So, um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's an aspect of legacy that, yeah, j- just doesn't show up on stat pages. <clears throat> if you had unlimited access to all cards, what would you play at an upcoming MCQ or GP? Um, probably lands. Like, I, is that just I, because I, you know lands, or do you think yeah. it's actually like the deck that would win a tournament? Um, it's because I know it, and I think legacy rewards knowledge of the deck. Um, I, I know it very well. I the last few years I have the most experience with Deathblade, Lands, and Nickfit. Um I can't play Deathblade in the you know, in the configuration that I would have, you know, two years ago. Um so it's gonna be a different beast. Um and I'm not going to take Nick Fit to a large tournament because I'm not that insane. Uh so Wow. I, yeah, like hey, I played that deck a lot, you know that. Um, More. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I would I would play lands because of my awareness of the deck. I would definitely, I would definitely uh, spend a lot of time focusing on my sideboard though before the event. Uh, but yeah, it would likely just be lands, maybe depths, but yeah, most likely just lands. If I were to answer this question, I think I would play Grixis Control, and I would play like sinkholes in the sideboard. I something, love it. <laughs> something ridiculous to uh, interact with the land stacks. Probably just play Pox, right? No, I wouldn't play Pox. I don't think Pox is good against Ren and Six. Yeah, I think that's uh, hard. So I would want to have interaction with Ren and Six. So. Yeah, you just play uh, uh, um, the Elder spell. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why. This is why we don't give out sideboard guides for sure. <laughs> I'll have Kiki Cheeky and Infect. <laughs> yeah. The Elder Spell in Legacy, Kiki Jiki in Modern. Okay. Uh, so, GP Atlanta's coming up in under a month, and like something that's kind of hanging over that tournament, and there's also one in Europe, is that this is these are the first two GPs where we don't know if they, like if you top eight or if you win an MCQ, do you actually qualify for a Mythic Championship? So, my question is. Starting in 2020, do you think we're going to have a Pro Tour slash Mythic Championship? I hope. Um, you know you know my feelings uh, about what Arena and the eSports scene is, is doing to Magic. Um, and I don't think I'm alone in having this opinion. I think a lot of folks were really jazzed up about Arena because it gave them the opportunity to play uh, Magic basically whenever. Uh, but I think people are seeing the repercussions of that now. Um, I, I, you know, I was I was very fearful of it to begin with because I see this hype and you know this 
this nonsense around esports. I've I worked in the gaming industry as a as a uh, as management for GameStop for ten years. Um, so you know, between just uh, conferences and stuff, I've seen the gaming industry and I've seen how flavor of the month it is, uh, and that's esports as a whole. Um, you know, it doesn't have the staying power that you know Magic does, and uh, it terrifies me. Uh, I think if it's not you know pulled together. Um, and I think if it doesn't qualify you for anything next year, we're going to see the end of competitive play as we know it. Uh, and I think that's incredibly depressing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my answer is, is I hope so. Like, it's yeah, it's difficult. I put this on here because a bunch of pros on Twitter, like uh, Eric Froelich, um, John Finkel, uh, you go down the list, there was man, probably 20 of them now. Uh, Ethan Gajewski is another grinder. Some some people thought they were already dipping out because they weren't qualified for Richmond, but then got in on like a last chance qualifier kind of thing, uh, like Christian Calcano. They all just posted like, yeah, we're kind of done with Magic and we're moving on to poker or we're moving on to Hearthstone like Alan Wu did. Uh, so yeah, I have all the hope in the world, like you said, but I don't have a lot of confidence. So uh, another thing coming up is uh, GP attendance has been dropping pretty significantly because of people's outlook on like it doesn't you can't win pro points you can't uh, get gold or bronze or anything like that. So the question I wanted to ask you, and this is uh, also taking into account that legacy GPs typically have a lot of attendance, like people travel for them, like I will be. So what do you think the attendance for GP Atlanta will be? And as a standard, last year, they had a modern GP where they had 1,553 people. Um, probably around 1,200 or so, I would guess. Um, it's the summer for one, so I don't know how much the, the, downed, uh, the downed appearance will affect people. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would guess probably around 1,200 or so. Uh, modern you know, is also usually a very popular format. Um, so it's if we go off that as a basis, uh, yeah, I'd say probably around twelve hundred or so. I'm on seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. You think it'll be higher than last year? I do I think? Uh, yeah, like GP, GP Seattle was like almost eighteen hundred. Yeah, and it was very large. I think just people travel for legacy. All right, last thing. Let's finish with this. We have a BNR coming up at the end of the month. What are your thoughts on it right now? August twenty eighth. What are your predictions? Um, I, I, I think there's some obvious stuff, right? Like there's there's low hanging fruit of, of Hogak. Um, you know, Aaron Forsyth as much said so today in his tweet. Um, he said there's banned and restricted announcements on, you know, the date, which makes it sound like they have something to announce. Um, I think everybody's well aware of Hogak. I, I'm kind of tired of the whining of, oh, it's it's ruining modern. How could you let it go this long? We need an emergency banning. Uh, when it's nowhere near as you know bad as what Eldrazi was, um, and we had to suffer through you know three full months of Eldrazi, this is going to be less than three months of Hogak. Um, yeah, it sucks, uh, but I think emergency banning sets a really really poor precedent, um, and I think they need to avoid that unless it's you know literally going to kill the game. People having to to pack a little extra sideboard hate. Well, you know it's not a little extra. People having to pack you know graveyard hate. Uh, is not going to kill the format. Uh, we, we've dealt with worse things before. You know, Torpor Orb used to be a playable card. Um, so, uh, well, it kind of is again, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it, I think it'll go. Uh, and you know, literally every card that isn't Wild Macabre. That's what I thought. I put that down. <laughs> oh, I know. That's why I said it. Like I saw that. I I, I do have a Wild Macabre deck put together right now. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the list, but there was a guy who won a 95-person event in the Midwest with Punishing Fire and main deck Wild Nacodles, and I thought you would just be, like, overjoyed about it. So I'll send you that link. Yeah, send that to me. I'll play it next Sunday. Um, but... I'll send it to you on Monday, then. <laughs> I'll just hunt it down. Uh, sure. But, uh, yeah, I and uh, I... I... I forgot about a card uh, that I've been thinking about because I've been thinking about vintage quite a bit today. I don't know why. Um, I've been watching it a bit more, uh, yeah. so it's been on my mind. 
Um, Mystic Forge is an egregious card. Uh, like, I think that's a card that was overlooked a bit um, when it was spoiled. But yeah, I I could definitely see it getting restricted in Vintage. Um, it's just absurd. Like, nobody, nobody wants to deal with that crap. <laughs> um, I I think that there's several cards that need restricted in Vintage right now. Um, Karn being one of them as well. I I think Karn was a terrible, terrible choice to to, to print. Um, I think I think once Hogak's gone, I think we'll hear people clamoring for a Karn ban in Modern before too long. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that card was a mistake, so I'd like to see it uh, not there anymore. But yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Mystic Forge is absurd. Uh, so I'd like to see it in Karn restricted and Vintage. Um, and then uh, I, you know, I always wish shops would get restricted, but it never will. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and I have very similar thoughts on this. I have the exact same uh, predictions for the twenty eighth. It's going to be Mystic Forge and Vintage and Hogak and Modern. There was some talk about whether they're going to unban um, Bridge from Below and then apologize to Bridge from Below and say. Hey, no, sorry bridge, we did did you wrong. Bridge Bridge is a good band to hit anyways. Like that that's well, not I, a card promoting anything good. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think it's fine to be in modern. The the reality though is they're not going to unban it because it creates a volatile uh band list and then it makes it making it unpredictable or like wishy washy, like it's oh this is legal this week and not legal this week. I think that's a bad precedent to set, so they're not going yep. to unbeyond that. All right, on that fantastic note, we did end up getting to talk about Hogak, so we can call it an episode of Eternal Implications. <laughs> Gilbert, uh, where can people find you if they want to? Yeah, so uh, I am findable on Instagram and Twitter at ours is the Fury, and uh, Twitch over at twitch.tv slash Elvenari. I'm going to be streaming a bit more coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm mostly on Twitter. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. And that's Travis underscore 8427. Also do a couple streams, but you can find links to that on Twitter. All right, guys. Hope you have a good week. And hopefully you have your ley lines in hand. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>